0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for the ringer, people outside the ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify
1: Hello and welcome back to the Stadia podcast in Ringer SC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hunt. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm alright, thanks man. How are you? Very well, thanks. Very well indeed. It's the 1st of June and you're wearing a roll neck. I am indeed wearing a roll neck. Why is this happening? First of all, because it's quite chilly in the part of London where I'm recording from. The undisclosed location, the part of London. Um, and also, I have a revelation for listeners, for roll neck enthusiasts. Oh, so I was at the no. wonderful, as a wonderful uh, establishment, I can't name it because I'm not to advertise in the podcast, but I was getting a suit fitted and well, we, we can't advertise, but I'm just trying to be exclusive about it. Um, and I was trying it on and the guy was like, oh, um, actually when you wear roll necks, you should wear them inside out. So don't wear that, fold them in. And I was like, wow. So because lot. you know normally like you wear the roll neck and like the base of it is out like that. So you tuck it in and that's how it stays like really crisp. This <laughs> blue my what? mind. Yeah, yeah. You know like the roll neck, so you, you buy a roll neck, right? Can I see, Look, like, look have you got so, it? Like, see, in? Look, see, look, see that there, see that there? Go go left a bit. See that? So I folded it in, I tucked uh, it in. Okay. He says you fold and it, it, it retains integrity, firmness, stiffness, all the rest of it. Wonderful. I mean, it's a game I, def- changer.
2: I don't think anything involving a Ronick maintains
1: integrity or <laughs> 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 just, but sure. <laughs> it blew my mind and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's literally a game changer. It's a game changer. And now I'm wearing them wow. whenever possible. Yeah. Drip trap Changed my life. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, shouts to Holly Ballin, who quote tweeted a tweet from Rough Trade Books just saying, is that... <laughs> Musa in the Adidas chords, that is the hot take of the season.
1: <laughs> I was indeed, I was indeed. I'm glad everyone's paying such close attention to the faction, uh, no pressure, but yeah, I'll try to deliver. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm fine, thanks, man. I'm great. For existence. I'm great. I'm uh, great. Happy Pride Month, everyone. Yes, yes.
2: Happy Pride Month. Any admin to do? Uh, I suppose, first of all, thanks habit? to everyone who got in touch about Monday's episode, well, Sunday's episode after the Champions League final. Very kind. Thanks very much. Sorry it was a bit heavy for the first however long but
1: we were angry. You we were indeed.
2: Next week Monday will be a what if episode so if you want to send over some what ifs at Stadio on Twitter or hello at Stadio.Football on the email. Other than that Stadio Archers playlist played us on Spotify and also little reminder if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review please do so. Be extremely kind. But uh, yeah we just hope everyone staying safe and well enjoying the sun if it's out. And about so today we're gonna to get into a little bit of football now because there was a couple of things happened before well, since we last spoke. We recorded Sunday's episode ahead of the championship playoff final and the Copa della Reina. And there was also a Monza. Monza got promoted to Serie A. <laughs> Plucky <Amazing>. Monza. Eh? <laughs> Plucky, Plucky Monza who had Balotelli and Kevin Prince boroteng playing for them last season <laughs> in Serie B. Um obviously backed by Silvio Berlusconi and yeah with their wage bill and stuff like that, you, would have, you would have expected them to get out of Serie B but still it's going to be quite fun to see them in Serie A next season is there, ever, is there
1: ever any team that's been promoted that has not been described as plucky because Monza like they've got they've put money in but like there's not like there's a juggernaut it's not like you're looking at them going wow they're going to like eat up the Premier League they're going to eat up Serie A when they get up do you know what I mean like when's the last yeah. time a team came up and you're like they're going to just wow you should be afraid because they're back and they're vengeful. That's a good point, actually.
2: I'm trying to think.
1: Actually, Monaco. That's interesting. Okay.
2: Well, in my memory, anyway, there's probably loads, but, you know, there's no. too much football. So Nottingham Forest are going to be in the Premier League. They return to the Premier League for the first time in 23 years after beating Huddersfield 1 0 in the playoff final on Sunday. And oh, as a footballing neutral, I'm delighted for Nottingham Forest. I'm really happy to see them back in the Premier League because I know know you're going to say go on, go on well it's a great club it's a massively historic club yes you know back to back European Cups unbelievable yeah Yeah. it's just like it's so wild and as we've talked we've talked about Steve Cooper before just about just how good a job he's done this season
3: Mm.
2: and the City ground is a great ground it's going to be a great place to play football
1: in the Premier League. The city is going to be absolutely...
2: It's amazing. It's amazing yeah, from yeah, that yeah. point. Yeah. However... I know, the penalties, the penalties, Ryan. John Moss went out with a with a big old bat. <laughs> Those were... <sighs> I don't know why I'm laughing because it um, was, if I was a Huddersfield uh, uh, fan, I would be... Horrifying. The first insane. one in particular.
1: I beat the pay, I mean, horrifying in terms of the... I think the second one's worse. The actually. feeling. I, you know, I, I don't even, I think, no, I think the first one's worse. Do you know why? It's the insult to injury of the yellow card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that really, yeah. because the speed that he's going at when Colback catches him, like on the foot that's off the ground, there's no other way to fall. There's yeah. no other way to fall than when someone catches you like midair, basically. And then you look up and you're like, okay, this should be a penalty. And you see a yellow card in your direction and it gets reviewed. That's the... It gets... Yeah. Re- this is why it's worse in the second one because the second one, they you can't understand people in cards, good, can, they? can understand people in good faith, like, you know, disagreeing on the second one. Maybe, 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 maybe. In a, in a, if there was like three people and like two ago, that's definitely a penalty and one's going, Oh well, actually, no, it's really. But the first one, just unambiguously, it seems like a penalty.
2: I mean, obviously, if the first one gets given then the second one doesn't happen.
1: Mm. So, you know, we all
2: know that rule. It's the of my first one is 73 like,
1: minutes. 73 minutes on the clock, Ryan. Plenty of time to take that...
2: Wherever it could go. Uh, So Uh. I mean, the the disappointing thing with this is that we've talked about this before. You can we can understand referees are human. In real time, the pace of the game is so quick. You can you can understand errors. Absolutely, everyone makes mistakes. It's extremely hard to referee a football match. I get that, but but like we've said a million times before, you have the tools there now. When I was watching the replay, I was trying to think, whenever, whenever things like this happen and they don't give it, I sit there, instead of going like, what the hell? I try and think, okay, well, I think more for my basic understanding of how games are refereed, I was trying to think, okay, why have they not done this? There's definitely contact. Just to clarify for any Huddersfield fans listening, be like, what the hell is this going about? I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not saying I agree with the decision whatsoever. Mm. I'm saying, I'm trying to think, hard why they didn't overturn it and and the only reason i think is because of this you know they tried to be they tried to have that leeway in the box where not every contact was a foul Mm. that's the only reason i can think for them not giving it
1: do you know the contact feels big to me though it's like when you're trying to jump over a fence and you underestimate the height and you clip it yeah and you clip it and you clip it and actually but actually hurdles look at hurdles yeah yeah, exactly it's like that and he caught Mm. it and i think he looks with the yellow card that Giving a yellow card is basically saying, it's late in the game, you're chasing a lead and you're looking for something. That's what the yeah. message is. That's I mean, what it's about. Both, I think both of the penalties. I think so. I know both penalties. Yeah. And that must be absolutely crushing from Huddersfield because- Because their journey uh, is pretty like spectacular. Yeah. You know, 20th in the league, they were 20th in the championship the year before. So their own arc is very similar to,
3: mm.
1: to Forest's. They're, they have yeah. their own kind of fairy tale, I suppose. Oh, it's such a cruel game, the Championship Playoff. It is, it is, absolutely, because so much riding on it. To be honest, respect, to, respect Nottingham Forest for gathering themselves, because I thought, actually, I was worried they might run out of a bit of a scene When they lost to Luton, mm. when they lost to Luton in the run-in, I thought they might stumble in the Playoffs. And I was worried about their firepower. Like I was worried about their goal scoring. But I've got to say, the supply line that James Garner keeps providing is extraordinary. That man can there was, you know, when he got the assist for the goal, it was an own goal in the end, as it turned out, Yates applied pressure, but ended up being an own goal. But James Garner's ability to get the ball in set-piece style positions and set up, like it's so interesting because he basically got the ball from a kind of free kick -kick position inside left and put it in. And like his ability to keep delivering, as they say in basketball, down the stretch throughout this season. So I really, if they look back at that Forest season, it's amazing how consistent and decisive he was. It's ama- and I, I'm not going to lie to you, I wasn't sure they'd be able to maintain that in the closing stages. Just because, yeah, yeah. not because they're not good enough, because the margins were so small. Yeah. The margins were so small.
2: Yeah. And the fact that they did it, I think it's just unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah. So yeah, looking forward to seeing them in the Premier League next season. And once again, congrats to Steve Cooper because...
1: Yeah, it's an unbelievable achievement. Unbelievable. Shout out to the fairy tale. I just, I have to mention it because it's, it's in the news. Um, Notting Forest owner, yeah. Evangelos Maranakis, Facing a Premier League investigation over off field irregularities. So that is, um, yeah, that's being worked yeah. at the moment. I'm not sure what the outcome is, but it's being reported at the moment. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah, definitely. For the forest community. But yeah, that's, that's in the mix as well. So yeah, yeah stay sure. tuned on that.
2: Uh, let's quickly move on to Barcelona. Barcelona for Mane, hammered,
1: Hamed, 6 1 in the Copa del Arena final. Ah, this saddens me, actually, this game. Oh no! Yeah, okay. I say why because so the opening mm. goal for Barcelona, an own goal. Oh yeah, from and Liga I then. saw this. I thought to myself, they held out for the first twenty minutes, twelve, and I thought to myself, yeah, yeah. So I thought to myself, actually, I've seen this. I thought, you know, it's going to be a really, really good thing for everybody in that division, including Barcelona, when teams are a bit less um, scared, intimidated, intimid yeah, intimidated. Like because that goal came, very good save at the near post. And then defender clattered against the back of the goalkeeper and went in and like a panicked clearance. And I thought to myself, that doesn't happen in a division where the aura of Barcelona isn't so significant. It just doesn't. It's one of those small things. And until then, they defended very well, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I've yeah, talked was, about this a number yeah. of times with Barcelona yeah. in terms
2: of like when Arsenal played them, for example, earlier on in the season, we were there mm. and um, at the Emirates that was. And same with, with Wolfsburg, when Wolfsburg went to Camp Nou. And I've said that people almost show them too much respect. I mean, yes. Now it's respect that they've earned. Like this is a great football side, but you're so worried about how they're going to hurt you that when you do get the ball, you don't play your normal game. You panic. Exactly. Exactly. And exactly. Teams have done this so much this season. Now I think this is just something that comes with being a, a, a dominant side. You know, it's that aura. We've seen mm. all of these any dynastic side or any dominant side for any era of football has had that aura against sides. But they often come unstuck when teams are actually like, "Oh fuck your rep," we're going at them exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, what you saw how Leon went at them at the early stages of the Champions League final. Now this is Leon, right? So this is right. obviously a side that is worlds apart. But Barcelona could not cope. How many times have we said that sentence over the last couple of years? Barcelona could not cope. Right. The last time we saw them struggle that much or to anywhere near that level was probably the final the against previous final yeah. yeah the in previous 2019. final 2019 yeah so I think that next season I think a lot of because I you know we've talked about this before like you know Atleti when they did that job on Chelsea and they were really struggling in the league Barcelona's performance in that league I think masks actually the depth of the league you saw Real Madrid going uh, through to the Champions League knockouts as well yeah like and that is a side that hasn't been Real Madrid that long. Remember, it was, it was Tacon before that, uh, and absorbed into Real Madrid the club. So, I th- I feel that you're seeing it in the Bundes in the Frauen Bundesliga. I think you've definitely seen it in the WSL this season because the top teams have dropped points outside of those top those games yeah, against yeah. each other more so than I, I can remember. Brighton very disrespectful.
1: Everton yeah. very disrespectful. The investment's Reading, going
2: yeah. down. The professionalism is is. That, that, sorry, the investment is going deeper down the league. I mean, mm. the, the professionalism is uh, uh, throughout the whole league is increasing and you're seeing sides who don't have the resources or the means compared to the top teams. Look at the problems that have been caused by other teams and they kind of learn from it and they adapt. And each season you see people kind of pushing them a little bit harder. And I think next season, I genuinely believe this, I think you'll, you'll see sides in Europe for a start Mm. definitely in the Champions League, but maybe in the league as
1: well. Why not? Yeah, because Leon have given them a blueprint. Leon have basically yeah, yeah, yeah. given every team that like, you can, you can study because you know, football's a copycat sport, right? So everyone's going to go and see that and study. That player hates pressure on that side. That player hates runs like that. That player hates it when you cut to the near post. Mm. You know, the goal um, when Mappy Leon. Um, for the first time in, in months looks confused and plays out a poor pass they're going to study that configuration of defenders in that area and be like oh that's the passing combination they didn't like that mm. combination doesn't work and they'll just they'll just go for it great shame for Huelva who lost 6-1 Barcelona winning is expected but I'm really excited to see next season how people have adapted because you could yeah. argue actually that Leon took the playbook from Wolfsburg and ran with it yeah yeah you know yeah,
2: for sure uh, it's their third trophy of the season Barcelona the Spanish Super Cup the league and the cup. So they won the domestic double or treble if you include the super cup.
1: But um, yeah, we should include the treble. Yeah, the treble. Yeah.
2: Very very quickly, Liga MX Atlas won another Liga MX title, three two on aggregate, uh, despite going down to ten men late in the game. But um, an amazing achievement for Atlas, who hadn't won for a long long time before last season's title. Yeah, spent a long time fo- in the wilderness. Yeah, and then to follow it up with another is. Mm. Uh, is amazing. So props yeah. to Atlas. Uh, should we get on to some questions? Let's do it. All right, man. So, I mean, we haven't even talked
1: about the rumour that Sadio Mane is off. I mean, shall we talk about it? I'd like to talk about it very briefly because it's something really interesting. A player at the peak of their powers leaving. For a new challenge. Yeah, for a new challenge and also leaving like one of the, what, like two, three best teams in the world. Yeah. That's just really interesting to see that. Like... It's kind of like, wow, that's not really what most players do in that position. Mm. Most players don't do that. So it's quite, I don't know, it's quite like, um, I feel like, you know, respect actually.
2: You think they should just do a swap for Lewandowski. Oh my goodness, that's terrifying. That's I think terrifying. they should do a swap and money, actually. Swapping 10 million euros. Because Mane is younger, right? Yeah. But then you have a front three of Luis Diaz or Diogo Jota. Lewandowski with
1: Firmino coming off the bench and then Mo Salah on the right. <laughs> I mean, that's two years of Pete Lewandowski. Given his fitness levels, that's two years of Pete Lewandowski. That's pretty scary.
2: I mean, the, 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 thing, the thing is, he could. It's like what, what we were talking about with Holland and Manchester City, right? If, I mean, I don't think Lewandowski
1: would go to Liverpool actually. Although. You don't know, though. That's the thing these days. I mean, he's worked with Klopp before. It's not a wild. I mean, if you
2: look at. if you, I mean. I can understand him wanting to play for a club like Barcelona before he finishes mm. his career. And there is a space for him in that centre-forward
1: position. Without question.
2: But I think there's also a space for him in at centre-forward at Liverpool. And I think he's got more chance of winning the Champions League again at Liverpool.
1: True, but Barcelona need him more. Because
2: if Mane wants to leave, right, and they're, they're by all reports, they're they're quite far away in their valuation. It just mm. depends on like... I mean, Lewandowski has said that he wants to go. so ba- So Bayern will either keep an unhappy player who has delivered so much for them mm. and probably will not be able to reach Liverpool's valuation of Mane, I think that deal makes a lot of sense if both it, parties are interested. It, it, it makes just all lot lot depends sense. on whether Lewandowski wants to go there this is and the thing, yeah. wages and age profile because Lewandowski will want to get paid. Mm. I, I
1: mean, I, I think football-wise it makes sense. It makes complete sense football-wise and also I can see it not happening simply because if you come out and Barcelona is the first name on your agenda, you've won enough already in your career. You've won enough. Like he played a Champions League final in 2013, played another one a couple years ago and won that. So he's played in 2 won one He has achieved everything in football another champions league trophy at this point for him is just like well maybe it's not that deep and it, it's not like oh, he's bonded know, with the well but look if he's coming out and barcelona is his priority and he's come out and said that yeah this is lewandowski right he could the moment there was any sign that man was thinking about moving from bayern he would have got a message from everybody everybody would have been in touch with that man and the fact that barcelona is the priority and he knows they're rebuilding he's not a clown yeah. he's seen that yeah. And he has pushed, like you say, he has pushed for it. So. That's, the, that's the thing. <laughs> All right, let's do questions.
2: Uh, let's start with this one from Walter Standridge. Incredible name. Um, As football in the Premier League specifically seems to be getting more competitive mid-table, it seems like it is harder and harder to, procure, to be competing for titles. This is exacerbated by the enormous influx of oil money, Will the Premier League ever institute a spending or a salary cap like we have seen in most sports here in the States? It seems like such an obvious move, but will it ever happen with the influence big clubs have? It would help decrease transfer costs, I think.
1: I can't see that, you
2: know. No, I can't either. We've touched on this kind of question before a couple of times in terms of what we like, how we would actually, we would like to see a wage cap. Mm. And they're trying to do it with the, the kind of sustainability, financial fair play stuff mm. that you can only spend a proportion of your turnover on wages, right? But if you're state-owned, it goes out the window, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. So therefore, it, that's where that kind of thing is just, it ends up being a bit bogus. I, I would like to see a wage, like a salary cap though. I would like to see it. I don't think it'll ever happen because mm. you're still able to sign the best players. Yeah. Right, but it then means that you have to think a little bit more about like you can't hoard six potential Ballon d'Or nominees. You know, it just spreads the talent a little bit more. Mm. I mean, I look at like for example F one this season. I know it's a completely different sport with a completely different set of variables and circumstances and whatever. But they've they've implemented a cost cap Mm. for the first time to try and squeeze the gap between the bottom teams and the top teams. Now they know that this isn't going to massively affect a huge amount this season and if you look at the constructor standings in F1 it hasn't really. Yeah. But what it has done is made the top teams think a little bit more about how they spend their money and allowed the bottom teams to spend a little bit more. Mm. And eventually they know that oh, they know that they won't see the full effects of this for a few years. And I think that this goes into something that we've talked about with football so many times on the show I'm almost boring myself even bringing it up again. But when football finds problems, they're unwilling to find solutions that they know will need committing to for, say, like a decade long yeah, 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 period. Definitely. Yeah. The problem why it will never happen is because you'll never get everyone to agree on it. If you did, then I do believe that over, say, five, six, seven, eight years, you would start to see a slight shifting of who was competing for stuff more. Yeah. Because it's the wages that are the issue. They are, they are. You can still go and buy players if you want, but if you can't fit them into a, like a salary cap, and there's no... And they, if they do it, though, the thing about football is that there's so many add-ons and like bonuses. Like Liverpool's salary, for example, Liverpool's wage structure is so heavily incentivized that that would be quite hard to police. Mm, because I think yeah. a lot of the actual wages, quote-unquote, could come from performance-related stuff outside of that cap. So I, it, would, it would need so much... So regulation, much legislation and, and regulation. Yeah, yeah, I, just, yeah. I just wonder whether football can actually be bothered doing it.
1: No, I agree with all of that. I agree with all that. I just feel like it's, um, I look at football a bit like I look at, you know, corporate salaries mm. in the city of London, you know, banking, hedge funds, you know, there's, you'll never see a cap on that. I think football just mirrors that at the top end of football financially. i mean, just direct parallels. It's a corporate wage structure in that sense. There won't be a, an upper limit. I'm not trying to be a cynic about it. I'm just saying like, that's how this has always, that's the direction this has always felt like it's going in, if that makes sense.
2: You big old cynic.
1: <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Let's have this one from Connor.
2: Spurs have already signed Ivan Perisic on a free. I love that signing, by the way. It's excellent. With Conte reportedly having 150 million dollars to spend. I don't know, what's that in there? So 140 million euros, let's say. What type of players do you think they should bring in to bolster the squad? I mean, they are keeping. Kulisewski,
1: right? Yeah, another centre back. Um, yes. Another centre back. Although I think Eric Dyer's been quite. Oh, he has, but it's for a back you You've got a back three. You want another centre back. I think another, another wing back because those are exhausting positions, a right wing back. Just because, not out of disrespect, those are exhausting positions. And then if you're going to buy three players, I would have another centre back, a right wing back, and uh, an attacking midfielder because I think you've kind of got a good balance in the midfield already. But I think the mileage you might get on the clock for a kind of Son, Kulosevsky, Kane, you just need a kind of hybrid forward, attacking midfielder, wide forward. But you could probably be in two players, two attacking players for that. So yeah, I mean, that's it. The thing is that with that amount of money to spend, you can make significant upgrades in like four positions actually. I think central midfield's an issue. I think a little bit of an issue. I mean, Hoi-Pierre-Bentancourt is very good. Maybe one more. I mean, I said that, you know, Pogba-Bentancourt, I'd love to see that, but that's never going to happen. Can you imagine if Pogba went to Spurs? Pogba-Bentancourt could be unbelievable because that's kind of the same thing that he operated in so well at the Euros, actually, same setup. Anyway, that's that's a complete, that's a pipe dream in terms of skill sets and whatever. And also, I'm not sure, how Conte would coach him, would work with him. You never know these things. But maybe if they're going to go for a change in midfield, it would be somebody with a passing profile, could pass long and short. Mm. So basically, whoever the next Tony Cruz is, who is not Kamavinga. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone needs a Kamavinga at this point. Maybe Chiromene from uh, Chiromene from Monaco. Seen a few rumors
2: around uh, Kostic. Spurs, which that would be fucking
1: terrifying. I love that. that. <laughs> if that happened, I'd love Kostic to Spurs. I mean, from a football point of view, it's just such an amazing signing. I feel a bit sorry for Sessegnon because that's them 3 Yeah, true. Yeah. But then Kostic can play. Kostic can play in the front three too. Mm. He can play in the front three. That's the thing. He's a really good signing and he can play as a 10. Mm. Actually, Kostic, that's a great signing for Spurs. Yeah, but it's, they've got Perisic now.
2: So I think Paris. Yeah, I know, is no, yeah, their
1: he Yeah, true. Good shout. Good, good point. So I wonder
2: whether you would, you would dump that much money on those? An iron track needs just like
1: if it, if it's really
2: Eintracht that they just hold everyone together. Yeah, yeah,
1: just give. Yeah,
2: but I mean also though, if you think about it, like none of that iron track lot, I doubt any of them would be in a massive rush to leave
1: when you just built that, why would you want to leave that? And they're in the Champions League, you know, they got into the Champions League,
2: so it's not like they would have to move for Champions League football either. Right. Um, Staying on signings, Jeremy Lack says, what player would be a priority signing for both your respective clubs? And because this kind of ties into it, Daniel Coben says, what do United need to do to get back to, what do Manchester United need to do to get back to where they belong? I hear rival fans saying, they are where they belong.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yes we are we're, we're at the bottom of a deep well of bitterness at the moment um, I think again central midfield central midfield is, is a priority for Man United I, I've yeah. mentioned this before but Chiromene from Monaco I think it would be an outstanding signing if we can get they're not going to Real Madrid player, though probably I mean if they get if they get Chiromene and Camavinga in on the same <laughs> oh team God. it's frightening it's frightening that's some midfield and the scary thing is that Madrid team the young players have now got a taste of victory Mm. now they've got a taste of the Champions League. They're not going to want to give it up. I was thinking about this the other night, actually, because there's an incredible stat that someone posted on social media about Madrid having the highest ratio of turnovers of the ball to shots created. So the moment they get the ball, they're the best at creating a shot out of it, out of gaining possession in top five leagues, which makes complete sense watching them. And that's not luck, by the way, that's because Madrid are effectively, if, if a Cobra played football, it would play like Madrid does. And this talk about Madrid being lucky, they're not lucky, they're just asleep. If I look at Madrid and how they motivate themselves late in the season, it's like those musicians, those musicians who only really perform their best when they're playing stadiums. Yeah. And if you see them in a pub, they're like, nah, they're mailing it in. But in a stadium, they're like, okay, like, lights on. We need a player like Chuamani, but I think that the bright lights in Madrid and their winning ways will unfortunately seduce them away. Uh, but we need yeah. a player of that profile, young, obdurate, technically proficient can hold midfield but can also search forward and play the pass but yeah that's the profile of play we need
2: I think for Arsenal it's tricky because I think there's quite there's a lot of rumours about a lot of money to spend and I Mm. think that there's clear need for depth to be added to that squad it needs to be depth in terms of making the starting eleven better and then the depth comes from almost demoting a few of those regular starters Mm. so for example I mean obviously they need a striker there's a lot of stuff around Gabriel Jesus it makes a lot of sense, money depending, because he's had a lot of Premier League experience. He scored a lot of goals to Man City. The one I find quite interesting, though, is the Sterling issue, mm. because I wonder whether there's a conversation there to be had. Now I'm yeah. not, and I think this could work for Spurs actually as well. I think this uh, Spurs or Arsenal could 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 have conversations around him. I think, to be honest, that's a little bit. I wonder whether the wages will be a bit prohibitive of that, and whether he want to go abroad. But I think returning to London might not be. Um, I think that's a
1: good card to have It depends how much the Champions League is still an issue for him True That's the one That's the one. That's the only reason I think it's not I
2: mean if he goes to Spurs he could get it If he goes to Chelsea he could get it I don't think he'll go to Chelsea for some reason I don't know why it just feels like But I think the
1: Ars- that's Arsenal. I mean for Arsenal
2: I mean for yeah, Arsenal Yeah but I mean yeah, I think yeah, if, yeah. if you're looking at purely from a, from a Champions League point of view I think he goes He obviously goes to Spurs no problem But I wonder whether again that Arteta link there Because this is the thing that we heard like so much about how players loved working with Arteta at Man City. Mm. You have to lean on those, like you have to lean on those... Um, Relationships, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially in the modern modern era, like players want to be happy. You know, Raheem Sterling has got nothing to prove, really. Right, exactly. You know, the only thing that's really missing from his from his collection is a, is a Champions League. Right. So, you know, if Real Madrid come calling for him and he fancies that challenge, he'd be perfect for Real Madrid, especially after them missing out on Mbappe.
1: And he slots right into the right side. Yeah, I mean, he solves I, that problem immediately. Yeah, I think with Arsenal, I,
2: I don't know why I'm talking about this because I don't think there's a, there's a realistic chance of getting it because I think he's just he's a little bit too above that profile of player that Arsenal can attract. I think at the moment, mm. but you just never know. Just in terms of Arsenal's stage of development where they are in terms of their yeah, arc. I mean, Arsenal's yeah. status as a club I think is below the level that Raheem Sterling would play for. If I think at the moment, I think maybe in two years' time, maybe not. So it depends if players want to take a gamble on that. With Spurs, it's a little bit different because. They're in the Champions League. They have yes. Conte. Sadio Mane should go there to Spurs. No to Arsenal. I mean that would just never happen in a million <laughs> years. But, <laughs> but I mean, in terms to, of love, absolute speaking in terms of players that Arsenal definitely need to bring in, they need an. Well, depending on what happens with William Saliba now, by all accounts, the club won him. He's going to come back. He's going to play next season. Yeah, he's had a great year. Bellerin looks like he's going to go. So they need another right back because I don't think that they can rely on Cedric Suarez as a backup. Mm. They definitely need another piece in midfield and I think they need another wide forward. So there is still, there's almost as much needed this season as there was last season. Now, if they can repeat the kind of window that they had last season, then it's positive because I think that most of those players that Arsenal brought in last season were really good. Yeah. And there's a, I think there's a reason why they didn't go for someone in January. I think they were holding off for this year, which makes me for Victor this window, awesome. which makes me a little bit... Victor Ossie, awesome, But I just think he's going to cost a fortune. I just don't think Arsenal will be able to afford
1: him at all, actually. Mm. But we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, well one thing, last thing i say on Arsenal is I think they should go all in for Europa League next year. To win it, yeah, I agree. Yeah, all <laughs> yeah. in, go all in. Because the profile of their squad, the quality of football they play for certain stretches, the prestige of that tournament. Mm-hmm. And how well they've done with it, you know, a couple of years, you know, getting to the final against Chelsea, that was, you know, that was a strong shout. So I just think it's something they should look at. Champions League qualification and Europa League yeah, are, I, agree. I think, priorities. That's a really exciting opportunity for them, I think, mm-hmm. in both, both senses.
2: And um, we had a couple of questions about, one from Holly Balling and one from... Holly the Great. Holly the Great. One from Matt. Holly's is, just a basic question. What have you enjoyed most about this season? And Matt said, what brought you joy this season?
1: Gosh, you know, that's actually, it's funny. That's actually a hard question mm. because there's been so much football. I haven't had time to process everything.
2: Yeah, me too. And that sounds
1: like really weird to say. I know that sounds like a strange a cop-out. Actually, no, no, that's not true. Milan. Milan winning Serie A, I think is my favourite. I think if I'm stepping back from it all, Serie A season has been such a joy, even down to moments like Simeone's son over at Verona, just doing like heroic things. Mm. And Napoli having a bit of a run at the title. But Milan coming through and delivering on Pioli's promise. And players like San Rotanali finding form and Mike Maignan, Money Mike coming straight in and being brilliant and Donnarumma not being missed because he's so good. And Teo Hernandez ascending, uh, Rafael Liao and Kalulu just coming through. Actually, I think Milan are the story yeah, if yeah, I think really. about it. There were so many players in the Milan squad who just elevated, like just absolutely, I'm oh God, I'm getting excited now. There's so many players in the Milan squad who from this season to last, you can look at and be like, you played at like 30% above your level from last year. Mm. You found goals and assists in different places, resilience. So yeah, I think it was Milan, they brought me joy actually. And I'm so glad they go over the line. I'm going to say Freiburg actually. I think Freiburg season for me has been
2: mm. otherworldly. The fact that they maintained it all the way, mm. it's just absolutely incredible if you can, if you look at what if you look at the final bundesliga table and you look at where some big 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 clubs in that league have finished the season yeah the fact that they were probably the better side for the majority of that final against leipzig as well and should have come they should have done better in that final that's the one yeah. it's hard to put it down as a sour point of the season because the fact that they were there in the first place it was their first ever cup final like we said yeah to have a club like freiburg with the coach that they have and the way that they do things to finish in the European spots and to go to their first ever cup final. Incredible. Probably should have won it. Yeah, yeah. In normal yeah. time. I just think it was such a such an amazing story. And when I wrote that piece about them finally, I was like I hope this doesn't age badly. And I went back and actually reread it after the season finished just to kind of see and everything still applies. The odds were stacked against them not to get there.
1: And they stayed true to themselves, they, they delivered. Stayed, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Such a lovely alternative to so many of the football stories that we see in the men's game specifically.
1: Yeah. When asked to look at what brought joy, it's funny because I, you, it's almost like sitting, letting it settle. And there's so many things I've even not begun to process, I would say. But yeah, but Milan, Milan does stand out for me, I would say, just because of how long they've been without it. And also like stories like Olivier Giroud, like... Players who were underrated written off, even though a lot of the sort of post game social media, you wouldn't thought that Giroud actually scored the title winning goals. But I just really, really happy for him to get his moment. Yeah, me too. Um, and them to deliver. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I think the thing that's brought me the most joy this season, though, is every Monday and Thursday, I get to see
1: your face. Mr. Oh, no, uh, your are pa- pandering. Shameless. <laughs> shameless. <laughs> shameless pandering. This episode is brought to you by Bi. It's Wonderwater. What makes Bi so great? It's simple. From raspberry lemon lime by Sydney Sweeney to Zambia Bing cherry and Palavo pineapple mango, Bi has antioxidants, electrolytes, and no artificial sweeteners. So for flavorful hydration, choose Bi. It's Wonderwater. Learn more about Bi and discover all of the exotic, bold flavors at drinkbi.com. All right,
2: man. This one from cupcakes and caviar: Which team and season deserves its own winning time-esque series? As in, is there a team in a season which culturally impacted the game, and for fun, who would you cast?:
1: From any time in history? Any time in history.
2: Yeah, so basically winning time, the HBO series, with John C. Riley playing Dr. Jerry Buss when he buys the Lakers and turned, mm. and it, you know, deals with the Showtime, Showtime era of the Lakers. So let's say it's shot in the same way. You know, it's
1: got that real old school aesthetic. It's a hard one, this. Do you know why? Because it's hard for me to romanticise owners. It's really, really hard for me to look at owners and I go, I'd like to see a deep dive on. I think it's hard to do the, 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 the owner side of it, but you could do like. Leicester, 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 Leicester City. Yeah, because I just think the individual stories in what Leicester achieved are compelling. I think in terms of like Leicester culturally, like the diversity of that city, the fact that for so many players, it was kind of a last chance saloon and players that had big reps were highly rated, but like, also, but like also had like players like, you know, Riyad Mahrez and N'Golo Kante from such different contexts to Vardy, but like kind of underrated under the radar. If you went right back in time to like all the time when they started off and like no one rated them. Like I think that on and off the field, that'd be interesting. So maybe a Leicester one, I think, just because of the sheer improbability of it. Like, it just shouldn't have worked. None of it should have worked. That's the only combination of owners and players I can get excited about. Sounds terrible to say that, given, you know, the club I support, but... Who would you cast? I think you'd have to go with Jamie Vardy as of a young Danny Dyer, actually. Oh, really? You couldn't go with players that look like, you have to just go with personality. I think Danny Dyer, Jamie Vardy, I think is just a straight shout. The young Angola Kante should be the young guy that played Lupin in the Lupin series. So like just getting look, overlooked because his whole thing in Lupin is he's just like overlooked. He's like a young kid, like Parisian kid who like just nobody really rates fully. Um, yeah. So like I'd start with those two and then work outwards. But yeah. So yeah, that's my, <laughs> and I get Gaumont to produce it, of course, because Gaumont did Lupin and I, they make it look incredible.
2: I would go for, it's gotta
1: be. Oh my God. I know what you're going to say. Do you though? Yeah. Have a guess. Barça which era i knew it <laughs> i knew it it's 9 it. it. it's 1988
2: it's Cruyff returning to barcelona i knew it i team. knew it
1: i knew it i knew yeah. it I- <laughs> can you
2: imagine though with that winning time aesthetic like Croft with, the, with the glasses incredible. and the lollipop incredible. in the mouth, and when he because he was quitting smoking and like <laughs> I know, you know you too Listen well. to this though: the characters <laughs> that you could have because the great thing about Winning it's Time is that, or it's the amazing thing about Winning Time, I think, is the way that they've cast everyone. Right, so mm-hmm. it's like John C. Riley is Jerry Bus; he just is amazing. There's been some amazing podcasts about Winning Time on the Ringer, by the way. So go and check them all out. The actors that they bring in for Kareem and for Magic and for all of these people, like for Larry Bird, that. All like, it's like you're, it, you feel like you're watching them. And imagine how much fun the casting would have with this, right? Like, Cory brought in Pep Guardiola, Chicky Bagheera Stein, Andoni Goykechea, Ronald Kuman, Michael Laudrup, Romario, Georgie Hadji, and Aristo Stoich- Stoichkov. Incredible. You got Lineker on the way out, right? put
1: yeah. paid him on the wing. Oh my God.
2: That team is incredible. Because everyone, imagine if HBO did Dream Team, because everyone associates the Dream Team with US yeah. basketball, right? What if, if HBO were like dream team?
1: But haven't I told you Christ, this though? My obsession. era of Barcelona. I've told you about my obsession with doing a Barcelona documentary an HBO one where, have I told you this? My obsession with doing an HBO documentary about Barcelona where there's no action on the field. It's just all boardrooms and intrigues because the drama off the field at Barcelona was so mind-blowing. You wouldn't need, or you could, you could use grainy footage from actual games, just pay a load to do it. But you wouldn't actually need close-ups. You'd have it all like on TVs, you could just do it on TVs with like a few kind of like CGI close-ups, but fundamentally you wouldn't have to do any acting about football. None at all. It would just be boardroom drama. I honestly think it would be one of the best things because you could just, everyone would talk to you. Everyone would talk to you. Everyone's got a score to settle. Everyone's got a narrative to, um, what's the word, to push, whether it's good or bad about that club. I just Mm. think it's, honestly, Ryan, that's incredible. It's
2: incredible. So yeah, you get the four the in a row, 91 to 94, the 1989 Cup Winners' Cup and the 92 European Cup and they're both against Samp, right? So you have that repeated rivalry. You can also do, because what they do in winning time, isn't, eh, it's not really a spoiler, but you have Jerry West, because Jer- it starts when Jerry West is coach, right? He played for the Lakers. So you've got Cruyff, who yep. played for Barcelona and you can do these flashbacks. It's amazing. It's perfect. From a viewer's point of view, you see people like a young Pep Guardiola coming in, who is now, for a generation, known as one of the best managers of all time. But you see him there when he was in, like very much like Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, Johnson, we all know Magic Johnson is just like an icon, right? You see him in this series coming in as a
1: rookie. That's why the Pep story is even more incredible, because Pep, you see Pep coming in and... And of course, and also you get Barcelona winning the Olympic gold in front of the King of Spain in 92. Mm. All of that is there. And Pep in that, t- this is what's so amazing about Pep as well, like his story, when you see someone like that come in with a slightly like, you know, Pep, like, you know, really lanky and a slightly loosely fitting suit because he's so thin that suits don't like properly fit him yet. And what he's going to evolve into at the beginning of that journey, that whole thing is stunning. The fact that like, if someone said to you, "Croak, Guadalupe stand together and you, some, if someone said to you, arguably, Cruyff isn't even the greatest football mind in this pairing. Well, he is, but he's Cruyff. But still, it's arguable, isn't it? Given how brilliant Guardiola is. They wouldn't have believed you. That is such a great story. I can even see the opening credits of that. I'm
2: thinking of casting. And the thing is, I think I'd go Adrian Brody as Cruyff because he's in winning time as Pat Riley, right? And I just think oh that he suits that aesthetic so well. And there is a similar aesthetic between Pat, that era, Pat Riley and Cruyff.
1: You need the kind of aquiline nose as well. You need the slightly kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need slight similarities. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I'm not sure my knowledge of Dutch and Spanish actors is enough. But for example, if you're just going like straight off the dome, Jesse Plemons as Ronald Koeman.
1: Oh my God. You could go with like Jason Schwartzman as young Pep. I'd go with Gail Garcia Bernal. As young Pep? Yeah. You need someone beautiful. You need someone beautiful for that. See, I don't think he has the Pep look though. What about Diego Luna as Pep? let's see, so Gail Garcia Bernal, how old is he now? He's
3: 43.
1: I mean, to be honest, like Wood Harris is in winning time
2: and he's playing someone who is like 20 years younger than him. So you could do it.
1: I think Gael Garcia Bernal is my pep. I have to say, because I think he can, I can, he can de-age, you can make him younger and he can get Just older. Day. Yeah. I think he would absolutely nail it. For the Renus
2: Mikkel flashbacks, I'm going Gene Hackman.
1: <laughs> oh my God, that's perfect. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God. This is so good. This is so good. We should cast this right now. Oh my God. Fristo Storchkoff. Who's the guy that plays, um, who's the guy in Guardians of the Galaxy? Batista, Dave Batista, Dave Batista. You think? I think him or, if he doesn't ham it up, I think he'd be really, I think you'd, if you, if you basically said to him, like, don't, you've got the build and the vibe, don't ham it. Don't ham it. Play it straight. Play it straight. Don't do it for comic relief. Play it like, brooding. I think he would nail it. I think he'd nail it. I think he's too old now, but do you know who would have been a
2: perfect Stoichkoff in his time? Who's that? Andy Garcia. Too beautiful. No, but he looks like him. That's the thing. He, he does but he, he's too got, be too beautiful. Yeah, but no, you've got to make, no, no, no. You've got to let them, you've got to make them inhabit, at least inhabit, feel like, because that's the, that's the amazing thing about winning time.
1: It's like, you feel like you're watching these players. I like Andy Garcia. I think he feels more like a Luis Figo. He's you too smooth. Yeah, he's like a, Andy Garcia's like a Luis Figo character. Maybe. I think he's done, yeah, here's the thing. I think actually the genius of casting Andy Garcia is, I would hear that and be like, how is he going to play Storchkov? And then the opening scene, because I think it would force him to inhabit Storchkov. I think it would really force him to kind of get into that headspace. And good luck casting Romario, because that would just be unbelievable. That Romario would be, I think he'd cast an unknown for that.
2: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, cast an yeah, unknown. I go agree. to
1: Brazil and be like, who, just who looks is your so best? Like him. Go, yeah. go, go to Brazil and say, who is your best theatre actor? Stage actor, not screen. Who has not done TV yet? But Who is the stage actor that everyone talks about? Who is tearing up the stage in any one of three major cities? And get that's the person you cast for Mario. Someone we don't know yet.
3: Mm, I'm
2: trying to think as well. One more. I'm thinking of Bagheera Stein. Oh God, yeah, because he's just like brain. Do you know who actually would be really good for it in is terms that... of looks and you could buy it is Tom Holland. Oh my God. Tom Holland as oh my Stein God! would be
1: amazing. That's amazing, Ryan. It would That's be amazing. That's I mean,
2: incredible. the thing is, I'm not sure. You know, you're casting a lot of Americans and English people that play playing Dutch and Spanish footballers. Mm. So, I mean, there's obviously issues there. But I, I would, but this is if you if you cast it properly, get really good Spanish actors in. But I mean, for the
1: sake of the lulls, straight off the straight off the top of my head, yeah, Hollanders Bergerestein is brilliant. Your your thing about actors, you're right because I'm I'm casting actors who are older, and I'm thinking actually these actors are going to be young, aren't they? They're going to be like early twenties. But the only, the only thing
2: that actually has to happen is Jesse Plemons has to be Ronald Koeman because he's too much like Ronald Koeman not to be Ronald Koeman. <laughs> I like that question. And yeah, um, we could be here question. all day with that. We we kind of were, yeah. It's yeah, amazing. we kind of were. Let's do two quick ones before we bounce. Yeah. Let's do this one. Andy Denning, if you can assign a club to play a year abroad in another league for stylistic slash comedic reasons, who would you choose? Ajax to the Bundesliga, Wolves to the Portuguese Liga, PSG to any more
1: competitive league? Oh my gosh. Because there's a chaos, there's an answer. There's, there's two answers in my head. There's, there's the angel and the devil. There's the angel answer, which is like, oh, someone like Real Madrid to see how they do in the Premier League. And there's kind of, there's a chaos side of me, which is like, which team would I like to see come to a league and just do something very
2: chaotic? I'd put Pauk so, in the Premier League. I think Pauk in the Premier League would just be genuinely hilarious for the contrast in atmospheres. And the fan culture
1: and having to go and play them the last day of the season to get a point away at Pauk <laughs> away at Pauk.
2: <laughs> okay NK says what's the unnoticed moment of the season something that was very significant but wasn't talked about enough
1: the turning point in Wolfsburg season the Chelsea game yeah yeah it's a good chat. I know that it's talked about a bit but I think it's not talked about enough in terms of the trajectory it felt like both teams started going in opposite directions hmm not dramatically so, I mean, because Chelsea still won stuff domestically, but it felt like that was Wolfsburg's rebirth, that specific game, when it was like, because they were really kind of drifting until then. And that was when they, yeah, that, that's the, and that changed, that reconfigured, I think the Champions League and the destination of the Champions League altogether. Because Chelsea going out, Chelsea being such a strong matchup for, let's see, a team like Leon Wolfsburg in that game. And they were like, it was like, yeah, and Chelsea were dominating them. And then they made two, two terrible mistakes. And in that game, it's funny you should mention because I was literally thinking earlier when you were talking about moments of the season and what was the joy you had I remember thinking it's not necessarily it was a joyful moment but it was for me the turning point it was as big a turning point I saw an individual game have in terms of its effect on leagues Chelsea 3 I think Wolfsburg 3 that was the one Um,
2: I'm not sure if it was unnoticed but I actually think the turning point of the season for Real Madrid for example was only losing 1-0 away at PSG
1: that's interesting. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, that is If they lose two, 0 no, I don't think they I don't think they come back.
1: That's a brilliant shout because even the goal that Mbappe scored, it was being preached like a kind of coronation. It was, it was almost like, okay, PSG are on the, in the ascendancy. And and to be honest as well, PSG in the second leg, it's gonna it's one of the things that's gonna be forgotten now. But the mm-hmm. quality of some of PSG's football in that second leg was it was the, best, like, it's the yeah. best that Poch got them playing. It was the best, and he will not get credit for it because they have all that money, and frankly, like, maybe he shouldn't get credit for it. But in terms of, play pulley football in terms, that's such a great shout, Ryan. It's such yeah, a great cause shout.
2: Because remember, that was just as Benzema was coming back from injury, and he yeah. started, and he wasn't fully fit at all. It was the first tie in the Champions League knockout since uh, away goals got scrapped. Yeah. And everyone was going in on the away goals thing because of what Real Madrid were doing. Has anyone really talked about it since? No. No, not really. No,
1: no, not at all.
2: Also, that showed how good Carlo Ancelotti is at adapting to the game state. Yes. He knew exactly the state of it. He knew exactly the condition of his players. His talismanic striker was just coming back from injury. Benzema didn't look great that game. Didn't look fully fit. He actually looked like he'd come back a little bit early. They got, they were absolutely dominated by PSG and they got out of there with a 1-0, only a
1: 1-0 deficit. Absolute steal. Absolute steal. That's yeah. such a great shout, Ryan, as well. And look how Ancelotti in that game takes Carbell off. He, but so then to, he trusts he absorbed, him in the final. Yeah, he, trust he absorbs
2: him. all of the shit from everyone after mm. that first leg. Because he took, he took a batter in after that, Ancelotti. Yeah. So that's my shout. I love that shout, Ryan. That's great. Yeah. Before we go, after our chat on Monday... I want to shout out Zane Luti. I hope I've pronounced that right. Who hipped us to a thing that Sport Bible posted about oh Valverde, Freddy Valverde, talking about his red card on Alvaro Morata. So I just want to leave you with this before we go. Valverde said, I was running after Morata as fast as I could. At one point, I heard a voice in the distance saying, Kill him. It was Sergio Ramos. <laughs> The most Sergio Ramos anecdote I think I've ever heard in football. That quote has big, it's Rebecca Vardy's account, energy. Yes, <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely, absolutely. It's just... I couldn't believe it. Kill him. And he brought him down and got the red uh, and saved an almost certain goal.
2: Incredible. Should we get out
1: of here? Let's
2: do it. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check theringer.com. Check stadio.football if you want to sign up for our newsletter. There's a new one coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, also, got some big games tonight. We're recording this ahead of Italy against Argentina and Scotland versus Ukraine. So we're going to be back on Thursday. We'll do a quick one about those games. And then don't forget, we've got the what-if next week on Monday. So get your what-ifs into us at stadio on Twitter or hello at stadio.football on email. Um, and don't forget to check the Stadio Outro's place on Spotify speaking of which we're playing out on an absolute killer from Super Jatta band called Nama Jija anything you want to add me so nothing further nice (laughs) nothing further alright everyone we'll be back tomorrow much love until then see you then